Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The Spartans said they would flinch, and they did. Sala is the favorite to get the job with the New York Jets. So you heard the deal. Robert Sala, last four years, defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers, will be the new head coach of the Jets. They were enamored with the energy, the spunk, the intelligence that he would bring to that job. Because if you are a person that believes that a guy should earn his stripes, a guy that should go through the process of becoming a coach. This is your man. Sala's a very smart guy who can understand any scheme. I think he has a great, great poise, a great field for players, a great understanding of this game. An intellect. It's his calm that players really respond to. He connects with them on that way. Intellect led the way. You understand why his guys play that way. Whether it was defense, offense, or special teams, people would want to follow his lead. And welcome to another episode of the SD4L Show. I'm Justin Thind. I'm here with my co-host, Brian Masalam, back from hiatus, uh, here for a special guest today, a guest that Brian claims uh, he knows well. We'll find out today <laughs> on this episode, or if, uh, if that's not true. And um, I guess without further ado, we bring in one of the hottest coaching uh, candidates for Coach of the Year right now, to be frank, uh, Coach Robert Sala. Thank you for joining us today, Coach. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. So, Coach, I'm going to ask you right away. You're in the NFL doing really well. Brian's over here doing this podcast with me. Where did he go wrong? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if he does anything wrong. The guy, just, whatever he touches turns into gold. I mean, he's, uh, <laughs> he's got the magic touch. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, uh, what years were you at MSU? Who were you GAs with? Tell us a little bit about that, who you lived with, your favorite bars, favorite times. What was that time like? What year was that like? Who hired you? Just tell us you know Spartan what, Nation. Uh, for sure. Um, so I was a... Um, it was with Bobby Williams. It was Bobby Williams last year. I get the years confused, so forgive me. But it was, uh, I, it was this. Uh, it was Charles Rogers, Jeff Smoker. I mean, it, we were ranked to start the season, and I was. I came in as a volunteer student, uh, Spartan Eight, and um, uh, Ben McAdoo had just left to go be a, a position coach, like a week before the season started, and uh, it opened up the door for me to become one of the GAs. And I was GAing with Matt House, who's now the defensive coordinator at LSU. Um, so it was a really cool room and um, uh, long story short that first year didn't go exactly the way we wanted I was living with John Shinsky who's a former uh, 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 Spartan great, and, uh, great man uh, 
great man. He, he he opened up his basement. You know those Spartan uh, GAs back then we only make about six hundred bucks a month, so it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't exactly the greatest living. So I had a lot of help, and uh, I'd, I'd I'd go in the basement, I'd sleep, I'd get back up, I'd go to work, and uh, uh, I stayed on when uh, John L. Smith came around for his first year, and then I got my grad I, I got my graduate degree, and, and that was it for me. Who who was your like? Uh, who were the GAs with you? What was your favorite bar? Where'd you hang out at? Well, like, what did you do when um, you were there? God, <laughs> is my wife gonna see all this? <laughs> no, you know what? Um, Javier Laura, I remember Javier Laura. He, he's uh, he's no longer in coaching, but uh, uh, Matt House, obviously, he's done a great job. And um, you know, there was my time was quick. Uh, um, you know, I spent a lot of time with a lot of guys. Uh, uh, I'm not sure who's still there. To be honest with you, I've, I've lost so much touch with it. But uh, but going out to the bar, I mean, I, I was it the dirty dollar? Was that it? Was that it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was the silver dollar. The silver, silver dollar. dollar. Land Shark, Grix. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, there was all of them. But um, uh, David Sakura, uh, former uh, Dave uh, Sakura, Michigan all lineman. Yep. He yep. Was, he was a GA also, and he and I—he actually stood up at my wedding. Um, oh yeah. Uh, he's no—he's no longer in coaching, so we had—we had a really cool group, um, but a lot of great memories at Michigan State, and uh, um, there's a lot of—a lot of stories I'm not going to share too much on here, but, uh, <laughs> but there's there some good. <laughs> what, uh, coach, like? Uh... I guess, Coach, what are some of the formative um, sort of coaching points you learned from your days at Michigan State that you've applied throughout your career since then? You know, it's um, all, every every spot kind of uh, uh, gives you some some type of tool. The tool that I got from Michigan State was learning how to use the computer equipment. That was, that was kind of how mm. I got my in into Bell. Is uh, when when I first got into coaching. The fact that I could turn on a computer was like, oh wow, how'd you do that? You know, it was just, it was all brand new. Everything was brand new. Uh, um, we we're just transferring from beta to digital, and uh, and that was kind of my niche. Um, as far as like coaching philosophies and all that, I I don't know if I could say that anything would get was gathered because I I was just trying to figure out who the heck I was before I could figure right. out what the heck I wanted to do coaching stuff. Sure. There was so much to learn. I was around so many great coaches, uh, a lot of guys who I have very fond memories of, from Reggie Mitchell and uh, uh, Mike Vollmer. He was there for a while. Um, obviously, Bobby Williams. And when we got to the uh, – uh, Doug Nussmeyer was on John L. Smith's staff. There's uh, Jeff Stoutland, who I'm still connected mm, to. He's at Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. That's a fantastic man. Uh, so there's a lot of guys who I've had a lot of connections to uh, that I'm still uh, – uh, stay, I've stayed connected to. But um, but as far as like coaching philosophies and, and schemes and all that stuff, I I really didn't come into my own until I got to Seattle with regards to understanding uh, personal philosophy first. Right. Um. You know, Spartan Nation wants to know, <laughs> and we're a little offended by it. And you you and I have had a lot of banter and discourse and. Um, Actually, it was a great pick, but we're we're a little offended that you took Brees over K nine, and we want to know why. Not we know why Brees is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. 
But how could you move up in the draft and take Brees over our guy? Why'd you do that? So K9, phenomenal football player, big fan. I'm, I'm pumped that he's doing a great job in Seattle. But for us and what we wanted and what fit us at that time, it was, I'm not going to get into the details of, of what exactly was in the scouting reports and all that stuff. But, uh, um, you know, both of them, it was like 1A, 1B. You, you couldn't go wrong. It was uh, both phenomenal football players, but we just felt like Brees was our guy. And uh, uh, that's a selection we made. And I mean, I mean, the kids unbelievable. They're both unbelievable. So it's uh, so it's worked out for both of them. It's unfortunate that Brees got hurt, but uh, he's going to be good for a while. Yeah, he, Coach probably figured if they're tied and one of the picks gets to make you mad, that's the tiebreaker. So, <laughs> yeah. um, Coach, uh, I got to ask you just because this is kind of the side of the profession that fans and people on the outside don't get to see. When you sign a contract to become a head coach, what are the next 24 hours like? It's a whirlwind. You got to catch up with all sorts of things. What are those next 24 hours like from the second the ink dries? Um, you know, there's uh, from. Really, the the ink drying is it's as soon as you become the head coach. And right. I mean, the semantics of contract is pretty much done. Signing it is pretty you're, true. You're going into calling calling the people. The, the next, I'd say, the next week is assembling the staff and getting them to getting them to the facility to start working. Uh, that's that's the first thing you're doing. And uh, um, I remember, you know, when I got the job, it was it was actually almost four or five days before I actually showed up to the facility. So I was at home working uh and uh, uh calling up calling up coaches and all the people who i had talked to during the uh, entire interview process that that i had agreed that hey if i get a job we're gonna we're doing this thing and uh so i put the staff together it was pretty quick um when i got here obviously there was a few more things to do but arriving here is where all the all the craziness happened with regards to trying to you know just get caught up with the lay of the land and uh uh, you're, you're trying to find a house for the family so you can get them here quickly. Um, you're trying to put the pieces together of a not only a staff, but now you're trying to put the scheme together and you're trying to establish scheduling and you're trying to call the players. So it's, uh, you know, Gary Kubiak, when I first got the job, called me and he he, had, he said, hey, Rob, just remember, it'll get done. And don't under, really understand what he meant at the time, but as I was going and the stack of papers would be about a foot off my desk, it was just, just it's going to get done. Just, just take, just keep chopping wood. It's going to get done. And, uh, eventually that stack will be gone and you can just get to a groove. Keep chopping, keep chopping. All right. So coach over your left shoulder, you have the Fortson tractor helmet and it's very, very important to you. Tell us what, as it is to me, tell us why. Um, I don't think there's a high school in the country that's like it, you know, especially, uh, you know, just when you look at the community that we're from and uh, just the the predominant Middle Eastern community community that it is and what Fortune is as a public school being 90 percent Middle Eastern and uh, the tradition and the love that our community has for football. And um, there, there is no school like it in the country. And there's um, the amount of the amount of heart and love and appreciation that we all have for one another in that school. And when you leave the attachment that you have to that school, um, the people that are still connected to that school, everyone's family. Um, you know, it's just a, uh, it's something that I'm very proud of. It is. It is very weird. It, it, it's, it's, it's an attachment we'll never lose. Never lose. So there's nothing like, 
Nothing like it because we know everybody that played there, their kids, their sons, their uncles, their their nephews, their what like we just there will be nothing like it. It's but, it's like a it's got a it's like a small town uh uh vibe in a big big metropolitan area. You know, it's like something that you would find in uh in the south of Texas where all it is is that high school. Well there's a heck of a lot more to do in Detroit than Fortson High School, but but Fortson High School, it's just unique to our community. It's it's pretty, it's unique. It's special. It is special. Is it, um, Coach, is it weird playing against your hometown team that you rooted for this week? Is that weird to you? No, not anymore. Uh, when I first got in the league, you know, I think this is like the fifth time that I've, I've uh, gone against the Lions as, as an assistant coach, or now this is my first time as a head coach. But, uh, you know, it's, once I became a, once I got into the NFL, the the favorite and i still kind of look looking i still look up in the scoreboard all right lions winning that's cool yeah sure look at it and you or you look and you see your buddies that you're around the league and like you you take a peek but um as far as that attachment and and the weirdness of it all it's it's been gone a long time ago interesting yeah it's couldn't imagine that's um surreal for sure so coach a question that i have um from a football standpoint when you're a defensive coordinator that gets a head coaching job and obviously you've gotten to that point because you have uh, the utmost confidence in your own scheme and your own way of calling a defense when you then hire a defensive coordinator do you try to get someone that closely mirrors you and your style or do you try to add to your repertoire i guess and go and try to get someone that brings more of an outside perspective um that's a good question so uh i look at it you know when you're building a staff you're not building a staff to fulfill a scheme you're building a staff to to fulfill one whole coach and um every coach has a weakness and so identifying what my weakness is first and finding the people who can plug that weakness so together we make a a complete football coach and um you know i i seek jeff albrick um jeff albrick uh, is phenomenal. He's played in the league for a while, uh, but he and I have the same mindset with regards to that to the idea that people are what win football games. It's not your scheme. Uh, it's mindset. It's effort. It's violence. It's um, it's all the the things that sometimes we can get lost in because we're so consumed with scheme. It's um, and so he was very important to me to make sure that that message continued. And then you you bring in a guy like Mike Rutenberg, who's been with me forever, knows every detail of, of the scheme that we have. And then Tony uh, um, uh, Tony Oden, Mark Manuel from the DB standpoint, and then Aaron Whitecon from the D-line standpoint, guys who understand from a schematic standpoint, but also bring the intangible of, of mindset, but uh, um, just from a defensive standpoint, and just making sure that together we all fulfill something that the other person can. Uh, so it was... Um, Love our staff, offensive staff too. But uh, that, that that was kind of the mindset going into this: is who who's going to be who are who are the ones that I can identify? Because the scheme's going to be the scheme. Right. Um, we might add a wrinkle here and there, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's whether or not um, we can we can uh, extract all the things that are truly important when you put a helmet on. It's mindset. So, coach, uh, Vegas had you guys a win total at five and a half for the year, whatever that means, right? Um, You've obviously exceeded expectations. You have a, a top five defense in the NFL. Really, in a year and a half, 
which is remarkable. The defense that you have, you you and you, you know Joe Douglas and and the, the the administration has has actually built um, the the progression, the progress of this defense. Did you expect it this quickly um, in year two? Yeah, um, you never expect not to be good. Uh, but uh, I give a lot of credit. You know, Joe Douglas does such a great job from a, from a, a scouting standpoint and just running his side of the building and really having the, uh, the security in himself to be able to include the coaching staff. And so the, the discussions that are had and um, giving us the platform to talk about our schemes and to talk about what players have worked in our schemes and what what intangibles we're looking for, what what characteristics we're looking for, and uh, and then him and his staff to be able to absorb that information and go identify the players that that hit those marks and uh, and then all of us being able to watch those players and decide whether or not that player is going to be the guy we want, just whatever. Um, uh, he does such a great job, and their staff does such a great job finding all these guys. And uh, um, and you know, so you you bring these guys in, you teach them the best you can. And uh, but when you when you look at the guys that are on our roster, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't before the season know, and it's, it's no different. Whenever you're trying to emerge as a team, you wouldn't look at our guys and say, "Well, God, they're loaded with superstars." But now, as they're as you watch them play, you're like, "Damn, these guys are freaking good," and they are. Uh, you know, guys like Jordan Whitehead, DJ Reed, uh, Ahmad, obviously, was a fourth pick. Quinn and Williams is having the best year of his career. Um, and then just along our D-line from uh, JFM, the Rankins, to Nate Shepard, to Carl Lawson, our rookie's doing really well. Uh, Bryce Huff, who's an undrafted free agent, is having a heck of a year. Uh, our linebackers, Quincy Williams, who was cut by Jacksonville, he comes in. We, you know, identify him as somebody that we think could help us, and he's doing it. Uh, C.J. Mosley's having... A fantastic renaissance to his career. He looks fantastic, and Juan Alexander's like the Energizer Bunny. Uh, Lamarcus Joyner, I can name all of them, but it's such a cool collection of uh, of players uh, who play their absolute hearts out. And uh, and if you have a person, if you could get a collection of guys who just play as hard as they can, you you feel like you have a chance to succeed. And um, and those guys exemplify everything you want out of a football player. But you know, Coach, earlier in the year we talked about, uh, or you talked about, uh, those that believe and those that have faith, those that can see it before it happens, right? So early in the year when, when the team was winning, it was great. It was fantastic. And now as the year has progressed, it's you've set the, the culture that it's expected, that, that, that we expect to win. Um, you change that mindset. We were so happy to win earlier in the year. Now it's expected. Going to Buffalo, to go to Minnesota, to compete, to go to the playoffs. Like that's an expectation that the players expect in the locker room. When you said make it normal, how did you do that? When we walked out of Cleveland, we walked out of Pittsburgh, we were so happy to win. Now it's expected. Talked about um, how you changed all that. I I don't know if it's uh, it's me per se. I, I think I think we have an unbelievable locker room. I think our our players our, our players believe in themselves. Um, you know, it's uh, the Cleveland game was exciting because it was by some miracle the Pittsburgh game was coming back. But then we just had a run of games where just played good football and and it was expected. There wasn't a, uh, there's not a moment that we go to the stadium and think God. 
I, I don't know if we can win this week. You know, we it's not that's not the mindset of our guys. And uh, and it you know people talk culture. Culture can sometimes be a, a cliche term mm-hmm. uh, because cu- culture starts with the people you bring in. It starts with the people. It's always about people and identifying people who represent the style uh, of football that you want. Um, and not just playing style, but the characteristics of of what type of a human uh, you're bringing into your building. They're the ones that make the culture. And, uh, and again, Joe Douglas and his staff, they've done a phenomenal job uh, bringing in guys who just absolutely love this game. And, um, and they, they, they do everything they can to protect it. They love it. And they, they exemplify confident. They, they have this confidence to them. And uh, just just love I love our locker room. It's an unbelievable locker room. So it's fun. It's a fun group to coach. So, coach, now you're the head coach in a big sports market and in a big market in general. Um, you're a recognizable figure. How has your life kind of changed out in public or just in, in any sort of sense outside of the football field as you've um, kind of gotten into this position? Any funny stories out in public or anything like that? No, you know my. Um... We, we live in this, be- this beautiful town, uh, Morristown, and, uh, you know, we kind of part of the Madison School District and all that, and um, it, it's like living in a, a um, it's not New York, it's not, is it, you're, you're living in the suburbs, you're living, you know, the, the community here is so welcoming, they're uh, such good people, and where every, it's very much like back home, where everybody knows everybody, every kid knows every kid, every every parent knows every kid, and their parents, it's just, um, you feel very safe to let your kids just jump on a bike and ride, which we haven't been able to experience since uh, I got into coaching. We've just bounced around, and uh, so so most of my most of my uh, free time is is spent going to my kids' games and uh, or taking my wife out to dinner on a Friday night. But that's, I really don't get to the city much, and uh, if I'm if I'm not doing kids' sports, wife at dinner, I'm probably on a golf course. So it's kind of kind of. <laughs> you, you, you are on a golf course. That's right. <laughs> Coach, any funny stories of Brian here that we can hold over his head? Anything? Nothing. From, you nothing? Know, zero. No, no. I, I the, doubt that. The only, the only funny story I got. Stop! I, I said this Don't bring before. that up. Okay. Come on. We're not. You already. We're not talking about. Comedy. It's about you. Oh, and mute his no, mic. Stop. So. So I'm in eighth grade. My brother uh, wants to take me to. Hold uh, on. Let's talk about David. What has David meant to your career? (laughs) I need to know that because he's a two-time Little League champion. What has he meant to your career? Be honest, coach. No, David, David, my brother, real quick. I'm getting to this funny story. Um, (laughs) My brother David's been been phenomenal. Like every every, uh, young kid, if you have an older brother, he's going to kind of be an inspiration and all that. um, his story. Well, uh, hold on. What kind of inspiration has he been? Tell us, please. Uh, inspiration to you know. Just... <laughs> I love you. He's been. He's been. He's, he's support. He's. Uh, he's always got my back. Tells me to stop bitching. Excuse my language. Crying when I, you know, just sad or feeling discouraged. You know, he's. Uh, he's been a rock. He's been there th- uh, throughout the entire. Uh, uh, throughout this entire journey, so always appreciate him. Absolutely. So, what? What's your question? Go ahead. And I gotta get this Brian story. Okay. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> so I was in uh, I was in eighth grade, and uh, my brother, um, who used to wake me up at two in the morning to feed me peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because he wanted me to gain weight, 
takes me over to Fortson because <laughs> he wants me to meet Jeff Stergalis, uh, who was the head coach for a long time. A lot of respect for him. Um, he um, and so I'm at the time. I think the weight room was kind of. Uh, being remodeled so we're in the wrestling room and there's weights around and I'm getting this little tour and I'm walking through and I I hear this guy yell off the top ropes and boom (laughs) right in the back of the head I'm on the ground I'm about to start crying and I look up and it's Brian (laughs) in the back of the head (laughs) we need to see if we can get him brought up on charges retroactively That's my first true encounter with Brian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want you to know that your um, your brother is an angel watching over you. He's a two-time oh. Little League champion. <laughs> and I so hear about every day. Every day we hear about <laughs> it, yes. And uh, if he has an opinion about who you should play, he's going to you know tell us, tell me, tell you, obviously. So... What is, is it weird? All twenty two be coaching. Oh, <laughs> he watches the all twenty two. <laughs> Coach, one last question before we let you go. Who was your favorite Lions player growing up as a kid? I mean, that's, I mean, it's a cop out, but it's true. I mean, it's, it was Barry. I mean, Barry yeah, was right. You know, you even if they were they were even if they stunk one, it, you you turn on to watch them on offense, and when they punted, you turn it to the next game. You know, and then you came <laughs> back when they played offense. Uh, he was. He was everything to everybody. Everybody wanted to be Barry, so it's uh, um, he was uh, still is. What kind of job is Dan doing in Detroit? Dan Campbell. Um, Dan, he, he's doing a phenomenal job. Got to hang out with those guys uh, at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Deuce Daly, Dan, because Deuce was the uh, head coach for the game. Uh, thought they did such a great job. Very organized. Um, but you just watch on tape. Uh, Dan Campbell, he, their their staff represents. I feel like we're looking in the mirror. Uh, two mm-hmm. teams that play their ass off, uh, gritty. Um, love what they've done with their offense, their O line, um, their receivers, all of them. They just they they fight. They will fight, and um, so it's going to be a, a really cool game to watch. It's um, you know from teams that just play balls to the wall. And have guys who have great character, and uh, from a locker room standpoint, guys who just who strap up and, and lay it all on the football field. It's all you can ask for. And uh, um, there's not, you know, he so he's doing a phenomenal job. And what what they're putting together is not fake. It, they're going to be good for a long time. Coach, it's been 60 years. My sister is a Lions fan. Should she have hope? Absolutely. No, this <laughs> this this team's a real deal. They're 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 good, man. They're good. He's uh, Dan's done a great job. Um, uh, you know, I've I've always said their ownership group has always been well respected in this league, and they've always done so much for the uh, organization. And uh, eventually, they were going to get it right, and I think they they've definitely got it right. All right. I mean, we got it, Coach. We could not thank you more for your insight, for the laughs, for the story on Brian, and for um, convincing us that you two know each other. Um, so appreciate your time. Thanks again. Fortune Tractors. Good luck the rest of the season. Oh, David, yeah. your brother, David. Appreciate that. I love him. <laughs> Coach, we wish you the – listen, we're not going to lie here. I'm not going to lie here. Dearborn is uh, Jets country right now. And uh, it's just – it's it's the way it is. It's just that, that Dearborn, the hometown of Henry Ford, has become uh, Jets country, and that's because of – Coach Sala, right. so rightfully so. 
Coach, we wish you the best of luck Saturday, Sunday, sorry, Sunday. It. And so uh, thank you for joining us. Take care. I appreciate All right. you guys. Thank you Take so care. Much. Thank you. That's Robert joining us. Coach Sala here, former MSU GA. Yeah. I mean, if you would have told me when he was, you know, 10 years old that he was going to be a head coach in the NFL, if you would have told me when he was going to be a GA at Michigan State, that he was going to be a head coach in the NFL. I, you know, he's. I would have never even thought that possible. Yeah, because you were assaulting him in the head all the time. That's probably why. But it's it's just it's <laughs> it's more than that. It's about like uh, it's it's about um those self-imposed limitations around your head, mm -hmm. right? It's about believing that you can only reach so high. It never been done before. Never been done before. Like if you asked, like Ishbia. If he was going to be the number one, you know, lender in the in the in the in the country, you know, five years ago, ten years ago, I, you just never know if that's attainable. And when you see one of your own make it this far, it really gives it gives everybody hope. Yep, it does. And he's done such a phenomenal job to build a defense that's uh, top three in the league. Yeah, in year two. Yeah. This is year two. Right. It's year two. Yeah. In New York, in the largest media market. And and what's interesting is he's he's talked about the Lions and how well they've drafted the last two years. He said Dan has done a hell of a job. Mm -hmm. And then um their GM's done a hell of a yeah. job. And so he, he just like the, the coaches know. They yeah. know when you draft. Yeah. They know when it's organized. They know when it's put together. Right. And uh you know, him and Joe Douglas have a good thing going on in New York. And then, uh, you know, uh, Dan and uh, Brad, Brad Holmes yep. have a good thing going on in Detroit. So this game is a big game. It's a really, really big game. For the Jets, it's a must-win game. For Detroit, it's a must-win game. And can Detroit go into a cold-weather outdoor stadium against a, a top-three defense and win? You know, NFL's a... It's anybody could be anybody. Any given Sunday. Yeah, totally. But uh, it's it's just so cool that he started at Michigan State, right? Yeah. And that he loves MSU. His uncle played at MSU. Um, his whole family have uh, Michigan State ties. I think it, it, it's pretty cool. One yeah. of our own is is a head coach in the NFL. So right. go ahead. Yep. Only thirty two of those jobs. That's it. Yep. So. Um, with the, that great interview behind us now, we're going to talk some Michigan State recruiting here. Um, first and foremost, this morning, or I guess I should say this afternoon, Michigan State landed their first commit of the day, and that was 2023 um, three-star wide receiver Isaiah Johnson. Here's one play uh, where you can see Isaiah. Great. So you can see, so you can see Isaiah there in that video, um, just taking a bubble screen and just running it to the house. So the kind of yards after catch ability he possesses is on full display right there. That's what a lot of his highlight tape consists of: him catching the ball, taking one, or taking one step behind the line of scrimmage, catching the ball and taking off. And um, it's just great stuff to see uh, Michigan State get a weapon like that in the receiving game. He was also being pursued by UNC, Virginia Tech, South Carolina. So great pickup there this morning. 
Um, a couple other guys from California that are of interest. One of um, who committed earlier today, mm. um, Jalen Barberin. He's a guy that uh, Michigan State landed just um, an hour or two before the show. He's a running back from California that runs a 10-3-7, 100-meter verified time. And um, Michigan State hosted him this past weekend, and they got him to commit a couple days later. His best friend, Sean Brown, also from Southern California, he's a safety, six foot three. He's committed to Arizona. Um, myself, Corey Robinson, us at 24-7 have a prediction for him to eventually flip to Michigan State. We'll see if that comes true. But those two guys from California would be very good pickups here at the end of the cycle. Um, you need some of these guys that maybe other schools haven't taken shots on. Uh, maybe guys that are a little underrated. They're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, and they have traits that you can't teach. Uh, Barber and his speed, and Brown his his height and his ability to be mobile while at that height. So two um, great pickups there in addition to Sean Brown, who seems to be trending towards Michigan State for sure. Sam Levitt. Yes, Sam. Talk. Yep, Sam Levitt is a guy from Washington State, or I should say he's committed to Washington State. He is from Oregon. Here's some plays that you see here. Yeah, so Sam Leavitt's a guy who uh, is just a, a, a mobile quarterback, but is pass first at the same time. As you saw from the video here, um, the flick of the wrist, the ball goes 65 yards in the air. That's very rare. Um, a great touch he puts on the deep ball. Here you see him just navigating the pocket in the backfield. Mm. You see him lob it off his back foot into the corner near the pylon. Um, here you see him running off the read option, going the distance. Just a very, very, very explosive runner that's better throwing the ball even than he is as a runner. So he went from outside of the top 800 to now being a four-star prospect here in just the last few weeks. You got a bump. Yeah, huge bump. Unbelievable job by Jay Johnson and, and Jake Riling and the rest of the guys in that recruiting department, Said Khalif, all the rest of the guys that are grinding tape over there. Um, great find by them. And he, as I said, is committed to Washington State. But um, today, myself and my colleagues at 24-7, Put in the crystal ball that um, he, in our opinion, uh, our prediction that he might flip to Michigan State. So no timeline on a possible final decision from Sam there, but just a phenomenal find. And if Michigan State can get a four-star quarterback in this class after um, also trying their hardest to shoot their shot with Dante Moore and still coming away with Sam Leavitt, that is um, just a, a very, very great scenario there for sure. Yeah, and um, as you can see, oh, and I don't know if you have the picture, but the crystal ball is up there. So, yep, there it is. Sam Leavitt, you see the flip from Washington State to Michigan State there. That was placed today. Myself, Corey Robinson, um, Brandon Huffman um, on the West Coast there for us. So hopefully hopefully that comes true, and uh, Michigan State fans would enjoy that for sure. So we got a couple more four-stars that we're That's true. pursuing. That's true. So we talked about a four-star there. Now a couple more are Keyshawn Blackstock, a four-star. Uh, Juco, 
um, offensive lineman on 24-7. He's listed as the number one interior offensive lineman, but I know Coach Cap thinks he can come in and play right tackle at Michigan State um, immediately if he were to choose the Spartans. He just visited this past weekend. Um, we think that Michigan State did a great job on that official visit weekend, not just because Barberin committed and because Brown and Leavitt are trending, but also even some other guys, some transfers um, that are uh, lesser known right now that we're covering on our site. So if, if all of that momentum is true, then Blackstock would have felt that too while he was on campus. So you can um, feel that they've done a great job this, this weekend. And another four-star uh, running back that Michigan State fans would know very well, Kedrick Riesenau, he was committed to Michigan State for a while. And um, my colleague, Corey Robinson, is, is all over that recruitment. And sounds like to us that right now it's pretty much 50-50 between Michigan State and Ole Miss. So we'll see what it unfolds here in the next seven days before signing day as Reese plans to sign uh, one week from today, Wednesday. So um, Michigan State can tip that 50-50 in their favor. There's um, some, some firepower here they might be able to close this class out with. So that pretty much does it from the recruiting standpoint. Some other topics, just since we haven't kind of been on this show for a while, it's just the basketball team season's Talk. been going on. So Tell us. Seven and four is their record right now, but they have some good um, hell of a job. Yeah, they have some winnable games in front of them here that can that can inflate that, and they have some big wins under their belt already as well. Um, they battled against Gonzaga, just barely lost that game. They beat Kentucky. Um, they beat Villanova. I think Villanova is going to turn their season around here now that Cam Whitmore's back, so that that stock will go up on that win. Penn State, right after Michigan State beat them on the road, which is never easy in the Big Ten. Um, Penn State then went on the road and beat Illinois. So that really raised Michigan State's uh, Ken Palm rating there. So a lot of promise there recently, and um, they're going to finally get a chance to rest. Um, Coach Izzo said since the season started, because of that schedule, they've had like three full-speed practices the whole time. So they have been exhausted. They haven't gotten to work on things um, because of the gruel, grueling schedule. So finally, they're going to get some time. They're going to get a chance to practice, slow it down. So if Malik Hall comes back and they're playing like they were before he got injured, and these guys keep getting better as a group, the rest of them, I think um, it, there could be some fun moments again the rest of the season like we saw earlier in the year. He also said we go to school at Michigan State. That's true. He did say that. <laughs> yeah. Typical Tom Izzo. <laughs> Is he, you know what? Tom Izzo loves MSU. If, like, I wish I could explain to everybody how much Michigan State University matters to Tom Izzo. It's not about wins or losses. It's about how much he loves the place from every corner of the university of not playing politics, not getting caught in the Lansing um, um, circus of politics, really like truly caring about the university. I'm talking about meeting with donors. Um, I'm going to donors events like tonight that he is uh, about meeting with officials from the orange bowl, spending all night with them to, to get us a bid. There's so many things that he does as an ambassador of the university that he's not paid for. And that's, that's because he loves the place. He loves Michigan State so much. He does not get caught up in the politics. He doesn't use the university kind of as a launching pad. And I think, and I'm not just saying this because it's Tom Izzo. I'm, I'm telling you this because I know 
the internal workings of the place. Tom Izzo is a gem. He is a treasure for this university in more ways than one. It's not just winning or losing. It's about actually caring about the university. I'll get it. I'm going to get into that further later on. Not today, but like he loves this place so much. He will do anything to make sure that it's moving in the right direction. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about basketball and we're going to hit that later on one day, but not today. But I want you to know that, that, that Tom Izzo, he loves this place from the bottom of his heart and he's, he doesn't use Michigan State as a tool to advance other people, to, to push agendas. He, he, he truly, genuinely cares about where the direction of this university is headed. And I respect that so much. So much. One day the truth will come out about a lot of things. Today's not the day. But the respect that I have for him is it's unmatched so we'll we'll leave it at that yeah and um it seems like coach Izzo is planning to stay around for a long time if you look at the way he's recruiting lifetime contract it's, um the 2024 class right now i mean obviously you have to eventually close on the kids before i can make any claims but right now it's shaping up to be better um, than the 2023 class in terms of who's interested this early on um, they have multiple five stars um, that are wanting to visit. Some have already visited. Um, it seems like every day there's a new five star they're being linked to. I was joking around uh, with you and some others earlier. Seems like they have seven of the top five kids interested uh, in Michigan State right now. So um, the level of talent that is interested right now in Tom Izzo and his program um, it's the highest that I've ever seen. Um, there's probably an era that, that I wasn't following recruiting in from years ago where you guys can say like, no, there was this era. But right now, after landing the number three class, seeming like that being a floor out of what I'm seeing in the next two classes, I don't know if, if Izzo has ever stacked classes in the way that it, I think he can and the way that it's looking like he can. And it's not just because of who's visiting. It's not just because of a few quotes and articles. And you can say, oh, signing day is 12 months away. How do you know it's going to go? It's about the process. It's about the methodical approach they're using right now. Um, I always thought that they were kind of unfairly criticized of, oh, they only offer Midwest kids. I don't, I don't think that was really the case. But even if you did feel that way, you definitely can't feel that way anymore. They're down in Texas. They're all the way out in the East Coast. Um, they're finding kids of high, high caliber everywhere all over the globe right now. They're offering them early. They're getting them on campus early. Really, I can't find a single complaint one could have anymore with Michigan State's high school recruiting. And um, the new hires that he's made uh, have been instrumental in that. There's a lot of youth on the staff, but it's, it's youth that Izzo is familiar with that are from his program. Um, Mark Montgomery uh, rejoined the program a few years ago. He's done a great job. Uh, he's, he's mentioned in so many uh, recruiting quotes from the players. Um, he's been here a few years now. Coach Thomas Kelly just got back. He's brought great energy. Coach Wojcik has been here uh, for, for a few years, and, and he's certainly pulling his weight and doing a lot on the recruiting trail right now, too. Um, also kind of a, a tone setter for the new guys of, of how the assistant coaches are supposed to operate there. Um, John Borovich, the um, new director of recruiting, 
Um, this obviously credit goes to him as well from, from finding these guys to having such a wide recruiting board. Um, just a, a great job by, by all the guys over there in East Lansing right now. And I don't think I, I, I don't think I can oversell it, but just so much optimism right now with how Tom Izzo and his staff are recruiting the high school ranks. I, I think what he's proven is relationships matter. Mm-hmm. In this era of NIL that's become very transactional, relationships matter. Yeah. You saw that with his 23 class. Not a whimper. They all signed. Yep. Very little fanfare. Yep. They were coming here. It wasn't a big whoop-de-doo. And uh, he's, you know, you even saw other analysts like a Josh Pate come out and say, um, some schools are not offering NIL money. That They're telling these these players that uh, the future matters more. Take the early money now or get developed by a top tier program to make hundreds of millions later. And I'm not saying Tom Mizzle's doing that. All I'm saying is that relationships matter. And as we see all these young men enter the portal immediately, right? Because we live in a in an instant gratification society. Uh these relationships do matter. And you know we 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 um People were questioning Izzo about not going to the portal, getting a center, all these things. And he told everybody after after we beat Kentucky that uh, what Maddie did, he said, you know, loyalty is a two-way street. I can appreciate that. I can respect that. Totally. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, going to be paying dividends on the recruiting trail for sure. So. They're going to have um, some sustained success if I'm right about my read on their recruiting right if now. If you're right. If. Big if. Yeah, that's true. Rarely <laughs> happens. Rarely happens. Owen. Yes, sir. Let's get the 360 update. All right. It's time for Owen's 360 MSU Sports Weekly Update. MSU Hockey. A massive, massive win over Michigan 2-1 to one on Friday. And Adam Nightingale becomes the first ever MSU coach to beat Michigan in his first ever try. Cole Krieger and Tiernan Shouty both scored to give the Spartans the win. Dylan St. Cyr had 22 saves in the performance and was absolutely phenomenal in the second day game. MSU did fall to Michigan 2-1 to one with Jagger Joshua scoring the long goal. Dylan St. Cyr, he's had a fantastic season. He continues that way, 25 saves in that one. And this MSU program has really turned around in just one year with Adam Nightingale at the helm for the Spartans. And now flipping over to MSU women's um, basketball as they dropped a couple of close ones in a row. In overtime, Purdue took down Michigan State 76-71 with K-Mac scoring 22 points and leading the team in that one. And then MSU battled to the end, but then fell to number 3 OSU 74-68 with Mo Joyner leading the way with 16 points, 4 assists, and Gabby Elliott had 9 rebounds and 11 points. Until next time, I am Owen Ozust with Owen's 3 MSU Athletics 360 update. Owen, oh, thank you. I'll tell you, I'm a big fan of Susie. Yep. She's, she's going to be, she is phenomenal. Yep. And uh, got the program trending in the right direction. Takes a lot for Mizzo as well and her coaching style Absolutely. and what she does. Absolutely. How about the Night King, though? Oh. Mm. Nightingale has turned that hockey program around in a short time. 
recruiting well, got us ranked. And it was it was absolutely packed at the Mun on Friday. I heard it was electric. Michigan State fans showed up in the biggest way, and Izzo talked about it on his coach's show on Monday. He said it reminded him of the old Mun Arena mm-hmm. when everyone would come. It would be sold out every night. We're trending in that right direction for Michigan State. We are the Night King, bringing hockey back. So we're excited. So, yeah, la- ladies and gentlemen, I am Brian Masalam along with my co-host. Justin Thin. Justin Thin. And we will be back. And uh, we appreciate you joining us for this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed the the interview, the very exclusive interview that Brian got us here. And um, we'll see you next time. This was the SD4L Show. Thanks for tuning in. Please close your eyes, turn around, and count to nine. When you open them, I will be gone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Set summer in motion with the most adventurous Honda vehicles yet, like the Passport and Pilot Trail Sport, and the Ridgeline, built for better off-road performance and engineered for more adventure. Summer's here. For a limited time, well-qualified buyers can get a 3.9% APR on a 2023 Honda Pilot, a 2.9% APR on a 2023 Passport, and a 0.9% APR on a 2023 Ridgeline. Buy online, reserve from select dealers, or visit your local Honda dealer today. See dealer for financing details.